0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is The C86 Show. I'm David Easton. As always, we'd love a special guest. This week, it is going to be the turn... Of the Proctors, all the way from the West Midlands. Um, Because recently I I spoke to one of their main members, or main men, um, Gavin Priest, to find out more about life, love, poetry, all that other kind of groovy stuff. And as you'll figure out during the, uh, yes, the course interview, you'll get to um, hear about their latest activities as well. But, um, yes, after several minutes of casual chat and getting to know each other, we got down to that very important question: which were, was was, the formative years. What was Gavin listening to? Gavin, what shaped your musical future? It's over to you.
1: Well, really, um, I mean, my early sort of memories, and uh, uh, you know, if, if I mean, really, sort of listening to the, the first thing I remember hearing was. Uh, and I'm not trying to sound cool, but uh, was sort of Cape Bush Wuthering Heights or something when I was like about sort of six or something, you know, I, just because the, the radio seemed to be on a little bit more just where I lived.
0: Yes. It, I absolutely. think it was
1: like a neighbour's, it was like a neighbour's house, you know. Um, I was just playing with one of my friends over the over the road and I uh, just heard that and stuff like... Um, and like games without frontiers by peter gabriel and stuff like that and uh, yes
0: we loved those one sort of too.
1: things you you know those kind of things um sort of um those those tunes sort of really kind of um you know i don't know i, I just sort of uh, got to me but i didn't know anything about music or what it was or sort of you know the i'm not saying it's like Cool stuff, but there's there just certain stuff that I'd hear from the from the radio. But then, from the age of ten, because uh, this that would have been before that, so I'm guessing sort of I was born in 1970. So I mean, I did kind of go through a period of um, at, you know at, at school getting the old uh, well, we we had a youth club. I mean, it's like a working class um, area, Lowgorn, or where I came from. And we had like a youth club and it was all sort of, um, the older kids were like sort of skinheads and sort of rockers and all this sort of thing, you know. And um, so I, I, I had like the Arrington jacket and uh, the specials and madness and all that, you know. <laughs> yes. Cause... Was all, all that. But I was, I was way too young for that, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, I was kind of. I think I had a, at one point I had like a fishtail parker as a, as a mod would have, and I had some like sort of doc Martins. you know, I was kind of, I was like halfway between a mod and a rude boy. Yeah. It, was, it was a little bit embarrassing, but I just kind of, we, we used to have that kind of, um, you know, um, but, but I, I always knew that sort of music culture was sort of, and, and that, that sort of gang thing of feeling a belonging, you know, with with something um i was looking up to the older kids really yes um, well it was interesting but
0: because I, I was going to say because i i sort of yeah i it was my older brother who i was you know was very influenced by like you know top of the pops was a really big thing but he always felt a bit disposable and i suppose the main band at the time was also the bass city rollers and the donny osmond stuff but then he was kind of seven years old and he had prog rock rock records in his kind of room and I used to sneak in when he wasn't there because he forbid me to play them and I would be fascinated with you know Yes and Genesis and and then got into people like yeah Peter Gabriel as well. So it was kind of quite interesting it was only in the 80s when I started to I suppose kind of branch away from his kind of influences and started listening to indie pop and and the John Peel show that you know, I suppose I started to get a bit more of an um, obsession, or I suppose identity. But then, at that period, there was a lot of. It was very fractured because you had the kind of because. Because one band that you could never say anything about without getting beaten up was Status Quo with the main band. And I remember when the mod stuff started <laughs> in the eighties with the Beat, and then you had the Specials and and Madness. Is that you really wouldn't be seen even saying you like those bands because you just get punched really. So it was kind of interesting how tribal music was at that stage. And um, and you come from the West Midlands. Did you? Was there kind of quite a a few local bands that you were influenced by around? that period
1: well i mean which sorry which period are you talking about i now? suppose the, i mean,
0: i suppose the, as, as we got into the eight the early 80s i just wondered what you were sort of beginning to sort of listen. well the
1: early 80s i mean obviously i wouldn't have been i was i was only old enough to sort of go to the to the youth club or whatever it was but obviously Dexies are quite big in in my life because because pete the Pete Williams, the bass player from Dexy's, um, searching for the Young Soul Rebels, etc. He, um, he he recorded our um, Proctor's early recordings. You know, um, I, I think he was only finding his feet as a as a kind of recording engineer at the time, and we we were pretty awful musicians and stuff. But uh, you know, we cobbled something together that people were into, and. Um, but, um so locally I mean that uh, really other th- that's probably the only people you would have heard of from from, yes. uh, from um I'm, I'm in the, the early 80s I mean obviously I know you're into indie pop so later on the sea urchins are from Birmingham and I sort of got to know them a little bit and stuff like that but that's um
0: when, That's later. So when did you, you know. sort of um, pick up a guitar and start to sort of find your voice?
1: Okay. Um, I would say I. my sister always had a 12-string um, guitar that she used to play at the local, at the Sunday school. And I, well, she taught me three chords, which was, um, it was Kumbaya. And then I worked out that that was also... Uh, the verse to Pretty Vacant by the Sex Pistols. I mean, <laughs> that was when I, I I'm weird really, because I kind of, I didn't have any interest in playing music at all. I did, I did sort of um, want to get involved with sort of, you know, fitting in with the gang and sort of, you know, the the Arrington jacket and, and the sort of patches and badges and sort of, and I, I I've, that attracted me and then listening to sort of tracks on the radio that were kind of happy, sad, kind of, you know, I don't know, like, you know, uh, Bright Eyes, Watership Down and stuff like that, you know, when you're purely innocent, you know, I know that's not a cool, I I still stand by that as like a masterpiece of, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a musical masterpiece or whatever, but, you know, I'm going to get sort of chopped down in flames yeah. or whatever it is. Well, I don't know,
0: but but Mike Bat, <laughs> Mike Bat, who wrote that. He's I a mean, wampel, isn't he? He? He, is, he, is, <laughs> he is literally quite, he is Orinoco. But there was also, I mean, he did, I remember that it was quite interesting because with all his albums, he ha, he is um, able to play and record and write very different musical styles. And, then, and you were talking about sort of that kind of happy-sad, but then I remember sort of there was Justin Hayward with his... Uh, Forever Autumn as well. I, I, can't, was... I
1: can't believe you've mentioned that because that was the next thing I was going to... I've was. i actually made a note of that because I, I would be annoyed if I didn't mention that, that song. I mean, um, unbelievably, I had that melody in my mind for, for years. I must have heard that track when I was like... I, I, I don't know when that War of the Worlds album i think
0: it was 78 actually it was roughly the well, same okay. time well
1: I, I, but i i i kind of had that melody in my head and i thought i'd sort of dreamt it i didn't i didn't know that, and i thought does that exist and and um and then i was working I, I know this is a silly story but i was working in uh, our price records in dudley and uh, and um we could put whatever album we wanted to put on, you know, unless it was a Saturday and then you have to put on what was in the charts, you know, you know, we, we probably did have REM and Nirvana yeah. at the time. So you could sneak, sneak one of them in, but, um, they re-released War of the Worlds and put that on. And then when Forever Autumn came on, I thought, oh my God, it, it exists. You know, <laughs> I thought, I'd, I thought I'd dreamt that, you know, but, uh, but yeah, that was a really, uh, that's one of that's a that's great that's one of my these are guilty pleasures i suppose
0: yes well, i don't know you, what if you, you want. if you have a marillion Cayley as well you just kind of got the hat trick i think that's another guilty pleasure isn't it which one's that one Cayley Kay- by uh, marillion i don't know if you've heard oh,
1: Marillion, it. yeah yes. oh absolutely well i i'm i'm i am terrible like that because i've i've worked in record shops i mean i've, I've been in bands with people who are really really really, really knowledgeable and they'll try and you know, impress, you know, Van Morrison's Astral Weeks on me or,
0: or um, Pets Slans by know. the Beach Boys. As the, well, them.
1: exactly. And, you know, I just, I just reach for the the best of, you know, which is awful to admit. Yeah. I know you're into the Smiths as well, because I've done my research on that. <laughs> before, you know. and, and I'm I'm like, you know, I do like Meet His Murder and a couple of tracks that are on there that that are, that, are, that you don't get on the best of, actually. But I'm kind of um Yeah, you have to be careful of something. But it's no, this. Absolutely... <laughs> but
0: it's quite funny. It's um I think it was it was an Alan Partridge sketch, wasn't it? About the Beatles All you need was the best of really so that's the, that you know, I think he was asked he said, Well what you know, what album have you got? It's like the best of obviously that's all you need at the Beatles, isn't it? So <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well I know, well well I I do I am aware that kind of it's a bit of a cop-out to um and, and perhaps you're not fighting the 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 um punk rock war or indie pop war or whatever to not have i mean i do have albums obviously that i listen to you know I'm not, it's not just the best of every band that i like you know but um <laughs> I, yeah i am really approaching it from the 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 I'm I'm not a fan of like the the sort of King's new clothes kind of mentality of like, this is, this is great. And to me, if it, if it, if it ain't great, if it, if it hasn't got a great melody, um, I I do go for melody first. I mean, I've, I've grown into lyrics and I've, I'm a reluctant um, lyricist and singer, you know, I'm, I'm coming from the, you know Bernard Sumner, or Barney Albrecht or whatever yes. you want to call him. School of kind of we need a singer. No, nobody in my band died or anything, but you know, <laughs> you kind of, you know, not yet. But uh, no, you, you, um, it's that kind of thing. And but I do try and read any lyrics that I that I've written and and try and think. Would, I know this does sound a bit pretentious, but I do think would that stand up as a piece of poetry or something, you know, rather than just a bunch of kind of. Yes. So, so sometimes I'll, I do look, I do listen back to stuff that I've done, and I think, well, blimey, that's a good lyric actually, you know. Whereas I, I always just think I'm coming up with something that rhymes with something else, you know. Well, we, obviously, we, we, ne- well, we all problem. liked,
0: you know, I mean, I grew up with Pam Ayres, you know, the poet Pam Ayres. So, I mean, you can't, mm. beat, a, you can't, can't beat a good rhyme in verse. But look, so come come <laughs> the early 90s, um, you decide the form of We, I mean, at that stage, had you sort of been at all influenced by like the indie scene of the 80s? And, and obviously there'd been the dance scene with bands like, you know, Primal Scream, The Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, Soup Dragons. So was that in your sort of... DNA, or had you sort of bypassed that as well, and grunge? You'd have, by, you'd have bypassed grunge, wouldn't you? I didn't really, no.
1: Um, I've, I've sort of fast-forwarded. I, I, I shouldn't have listened to the um, Jeffrey Lewis thing, because <laughs> I've kind of um, I've, I've, I've spat out a load of stuff instantly, and I've had, a, I've had a glass of wine now as well. I, Well, I had a girlfriend at university, and her roommate... Um, I wasn't at the university. I used to go and visit her, and her roommate next door was massively into um, Nirvana, and Nirvana had just come out. And I always, um, so at that time, I was sort of going to a to a local club where bands played regularly called JBS, and it's a it's a legendary club. I mean, and they've had everybody from you know u2 generation x i don't know you name it obviously early primal scream
0: yes
1: played there the sonic flare groove um era uh, uh, and i think they came back with doing the um doing the uh you know the, not not jailbird the not the um not scream delica but, um you know when they went sort of like rock? <laughs> yes,
0: they did. The, I think they did the Ronin Stones' "Exile on Main Street." Yeah, that, and... that 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 album. Yes, I, I, I remember but they that.
1: They did so. So there's, there was plenty of C eighty six and Beyond coming through.
0: Yes.
1: JB's and and obviously, Stone Roses played played there. I mean, they. Uh, I'm in the JB's book actually because they carried me into the venue, but that was their sort of second gig they did there, and they their album just came out and. I was locked out of the the venue and um, they were in their minibus and said, come in with us, mate, you know, and I didn't realise it was the band. I just thought it was some mad fans of the Stone Roses. And I got in the little minibus and they they were there and they carried me in on their shoulders, you know, so it was quite quite cool. My mates didn't believe me, but uh, it is a true story. But, but yeah, so... um, I forgot the question. Yes. <laughs> no, so, that was so, so, so,
0: you, your, your girlfriend at university, her flatmate or roommate, not roommate, the person next door, was into Nevermind. I'm sure not, not bleach, was it? So, you were listening to that before forming the band. Well, well, no, um, I
1: was already in a band called the Cudgels at this time. I mean, any, anybody listening to this is going to be going, Gavin, what are you talking about? And uh, quite rightly so. My memory is terrible, and and all my data all over the place um so i was in a band called the cudgels from around it would have been 1990 i think and it might have even been 89 but i think it was 90 and um um, andy who was the you know the, the the guy that formed the band he We used to have, like, nights around at his place. He would be a better person to interview, (laughs) probably. He he got me into a lot of stuff, and, you know, all you kind of... At that time, I wasn't massively aware of, kind of... um, I wasn't massively aware of the the C86 thing. Um, I remember buying, um, doing it for the kids. Um, I got... I, I I think there was a program called Snub TV. Oh yes, and, we remember that. And I saw I saw House of Love on there, and that blew me away. And I I went and bought the. I am missing some bits out here because. Yes. But the House of
0: Love, shine on. Yeah,
1: well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that probably wasn't my favourite. I saw them doing like Manta Child, and I, I went and bought that that album, and then got, went back and got the 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 German and album as it's known and i just got a bit obsessed with that i think this was all before i joined the cudgel so this would have all been sort of i might have my dates wrong but like 88 to between 88 and 90 so and i obviously then when you when you buy a record that's on creation and then you realize there's other stuff that's on creation i mean before that actually i used to I'd say mid mid 80s when I was like sort of 13 14 15 I got into the Sex Pistols in a big way and I, it's just like through a friend's older brother I just needed something to get my teeth into and um there was um wasn't just the Pistols he 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 used to lean out of his bedroom window and I think I heard you talking about Crass actually he was one of he's one of these guys he he loved his music, and he just sort of... He...
0: Oh, actually, you've just gone quiet there. Are you still there? Oh.
1: Special oh. bath and all this. Wait a minute. Have we uh, dropped out?
0: <laughs> you just dropped out. You you just were saying that, yes, the se- you mentioned the Sex Pistols, and then suddenly it sort of cut out. So, yeah, so you had a friend <laughs> easy- who... Well, he's
1: my, my friend's older brother, and he he lent me sort of Joy Division albums and uh, and stuff, and I started to listen to all that, and this was all. So I, I was listening to the Pistols, the Clash, um, and as much Joy Division as I could find. I just got obsessed with that. So I was listening to Still, which is all the, the live stuff and whatever, and um, and obviously the you know Unknown Pleasures, Closer, and uh, there's, I think, some demos by Warsaw or whatever they were called, and yeah. I, I do tend to get just obsessed by one thing, you know. For, um, it's like I do, I do tend to buy a pair of jeans and just wear them constantly. It's the same sort of thing. I, 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 um, I kind of got a bit obsessed with, uh, with all that, and then it was when I. I, th- I got into, I say the programs like Snub TV came on and then I just realized there was something between punk and, you know, I always felt like I'm not really a punk, you know, I'm, I've got a sensitive side or whatever. There was a certain aspects of punk. I mean, I always found the pistols kind of, they're, they're like an art, arty punk band. So I, I think they can be a bit misunderstood really, you know, but, um, I, the kind of and, and Joy Division then you know then you make make the trip onto you know House of Love and then um, but then when I got into the band with with Andy um, the Cudgels it was like we were listening to Dexies and he was you know introduced me to a lot of other stuff and um, I realised that you know well we, we were sort of like Releasing stuff on um, flexi discs with fanzines and stuff. Yeah, I, I didn't have I didn't have an idea at all that fanzine culture existed until I sort of joined the cudgels, you know. And up until then, I mean, I, I was in a band. See, sorry, before that, called This November, that nobody would have heard of, and we were sort of trying to do like an early REM sort of thing i mean i think i was like 16 and you know you know you're not old enough to play in the venue that you're playing in but just because you you're playing the band they sort of overlooked that you know and um but um we, we were sort of trying to do a new order rem early james sort of thing um but then um so i remember sending a demo tape off to go discs you know, which is one of the few. Yeah. Sorry, you still there? Oh God, yeah, 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 I'm here. Uh, sorry, I sent um, a demo tape off to Go Discs. I've still, still nostalgic as I am, I've kept the letter, the the rejection letter, you know. But um, I didn't know that you there was something, you know. I know Go. I mean, well, you know, there were labels that you could probably, or or people releasing fanzines, making their own, um, you know, you could, you could sort of do it yourself without having to go to sort of record labels as such. So that was, that, that was great. And then I did, I am really (laughs) waffling. I'm an awful interviewee. I I appreciate that. And I, but I, I got the, um, I remember getting creation, doing it for the kids and it was like pay no more than 199 i've still got the sticker I've still got the sticker on it right now and uh and then that that made me aware of a lot of other bands then you know jasmine minks and not not just stuff on creation yeah. um we, we we supported a band called the wall Tones, you know i don't don't think they're um if they're listening you're one of my favorite bands i don't think they're critically acclaimed at all you know but for whatever reason at that point in time that I bought that album and it it, it was kind of like I can sort of do this you know and it was jangly guitars great melodies great harmonies that was my kind of pet sounds of the of the moment you know yeah. um and the what the wildflowers were another band actually I've I've got a you know if you cut this together you might have some sort of concise sort of interview going on but the, there was a band that the wildflowers um from around this area who who um used to play at jb's a lot i mean i used to go to this club jb's and like every friday night you'd have at one point in time you'd have like blur prime scream stone roses the wildflowers um the rain devils Close lobsters. I don't know. I'm just trying to. Yes, the
0: the, the you yeah, know cl- th-
1: you'd have one one thousand violins. Actually, you know, they are an um, amazing um, band. So well, then... they're they're one they're great. Uh, I've I've got that. Got, you know, every every band that I really like as well, I always put in a lyric. So I'm sure anybody who's listened to the Proctors will can listen out. And you'll <laughs> there's a few when I'm stuck for a lyric, I'll always put a a band name or a refer to another song in there. I always like that sort of thing. Anyway, I think it's
0: Yes. But, um, so then when did you, you know, 93, which is obviously where the, the Brit pop, you know, world was starting to sort of emerge. When did you sort of say, right, like, this is the Proctors and sort of, and were you the main, was it a democratic band or were you very much the the leader? It,
1: it, well, at the time um, I was in, after the cudgels, I saw an advert for a band called Called Sweet Jesus, who were on Rough Trade Records, actually, which you obviously know about. And I, I joined them on bass. Um, and with the um, Proctors, what that was was that I was still kind of um, actually, I, I still wanted to carry on doing both, um, both things. It's all right. My me, me son's just saying goodbye to me. See you, son. Bye, Dad. Come on. See you later. Thank you. And um, basically, um, I'll, I'll just I'll just tell you how it is. Andy wasn't very pleased from the cudgels. The, the 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 it was his band. He says you want to go off and do another band. That's it. And I could have easily done both. I mean, um, but I had the chance to do this. Um, play bass for Sweet Jesus, and they were sort of going places a little bit. And uh, I, I, I went off and did that, but I still, you know, I, I still was strumming my guitar and I wanted to do, you know, indie pop. I was into the I was into the field mice. I don't know where, I've, I don't know how I've missed that out as well. Yes. Um, but um, so I was writing songs like that. I had a, like a four-track tape recorder and um and um so at that time i i remember we did a studio uh we went to made studios and did um like a radio it was like a radio well, i might have been a radio one evening session for for mark goodyear you know with with sweet jesus and i remember that um the very next day i came back and did um we booked the studio to go in and do the proctors. But it, it was just, um, it's like two different worlds really. And, and all that was, all that was, was me and some songs I'd written. Um, and I wanted to, you know, go down the um, my indie pop influence route with that. And um, so it was me, my sister, and my friend Adrian playing drums. And then we just went in and recorded a few things, and it was um it was a bit more of a democracy because Christina my sister wrote some lyrics and a couple of chords on one of the songs, but it was mainly my thing, and I was basically like the Proctors has been the whole thing it's been you know dragging and kicking people to uh, to come and help me out doing it, you know, which yes. makes me feel a bit like Mark E Smith out of the fall because we've had that many members coming and going but it really has been it's not a case of it being a proper band where you rehearse once a week and that sort of thing it's literally me coming up with ideas and uh, obviously anybody else wants to put ideas in that's great and they do but um, I mean we've had members of the band that you know I mean we did come over and we went over and played in New York for example or you know we, we, we're more likely to play somewhere overseas than in the uk sometimes and so we we had lisa who was from sweden and she'd come and meet us there and play it, it's, it's been a bit weird playing live you know if i'm honest yes. um but anyway and i'm jumping ahead again but the, no the whole thing was like it was my thing really yeah to answer your question and 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 we'd already had a record out with the cudgels on sunday records and i um I just, I I did have an idea that I was going to send him what we'd done. And I sent him what we'd done and he really liked it and decided to put it out, you know. Yes. So that's where that came from. So you did
0: did two EPs in the kind of that sort of 83, 84, Baby Blue and then Moon... (laughs) moon song and then brought out the album on sunday records this
1: was before this was before Britpop, and obviously if you hear that you know it's coming from a c86 kind of thing it was uh it was definitely a pre Britpop type of thing you know but yes we did we did those two um we did those two vinyls and then and then a cd album it was all a lot more innocent and um Cause it was just uh you know you know it's not pet sounds any of this stuff by the way but it, i'm so honored in some ways there's a lot of people stay in touch via social media and the internet and they're you know more than kind of of any music that we've put together you know and uh, i find that just such amazing that does sound really cheesy but um I just think it's, um, you know, I, I don't know the power of music or whatever. I am just saying to choose your game, but. Yes. Um, well,
0: that's no, but then I mean, but at that stage, because you, you know, the band was sort of quite, you know, new still, and and you were definitely on the way up. Did you, um, did you sort of feel because you did the album Pinstripes and Englishmen? Did that feel like you were sort of going to sort of compete in the main arena that was pop? or Britpop at that stage
1: no not not at all no I, I i've never thought of the proctors um competing in the main arena but um i don't know everybody that i've met who's you know done music has got some sort of um an ego and i think we you know we'd all like to um write a song that sort of, you know, crosses over to some sort of, uh, that everyone's, you know, yeah. I don't know, you know, the Paul McCartney thing of the, the milkman whistling the tune or whatever,
0: Yes.
1: you know, I still might have one of those in me, you know, I'm hoping. but no, it really wasn't. Cause I was, I think, um, I was aware of the, um, limitations musically and, production wise that we could i mean like as i say i mean i'm, I'm a massive fan of of pete he we went in to do this um all the recordings actually pete was working after dex's he was working i'm sure he did other things musically um well i know he did other things musically after dex's obviously but one of the things he was earning a few quid working in this studio and i was actually at, at college with um with his wife at the time it was um sort of um like a photography course um you know i i was i was classed as a mature student i was i wasn't that mature but you know and it was one of these things and uh and she happened to say oh my you know my you know uh my other offs in a in a band as well and you you might have heard of them And i said oh yeah go on who are they and then she said, "Yeah, Dex, excuse me, not runners." And at that time, I was like, "List." It just happened to be. It wasn't obviously. That wasn't the time when the, when that uh, album was released. This would have been about. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you know, between '90 90 and '93, I was like listening to Dexys a lot. You know, yes. um, I'm, I'm I'm always into stuff when it's when it's gone gone past. You know, I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> but anyway, we went we went. So it's a real, and it's not even answering the question. But Pete was working in the studio, and we walked in, and and I saw him, and I thought, oh God, you know, I can't believe this, you know, I'm really, um, I was, it really, you know, I thought I can't, I can't sing in front of this guy, I can't play, you know, I was really kind of starstruck, you know, but he was like really, really great about it. But but actually, he he'll freely admit at the time he he's a musician, he's he's not a, a, a knob twiddler as such with with compression and god knows what you know we, we were kind of There were like there's there's a bass note on the on one of the songs that just rings out and you know the, the speaker just judders if it's if it's going to explode you know he, um <laughs> he'll kill me for saying that but um you, you know like it, it, no i mean you know i don't know trevor horn didn't have anything to to worry about, you know, production-wise, in in some ways,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> not not production-wise. People <laughs> say, "Well, hang on, What about the vocals? You know, so yes. But so, but I, I I wanted the for me the, the the field mice snowball. You know that that's always what I've, I've always wanted to to. Well, you can tell really anybody who's listened to what we do. You can probably tell that's what i'm trying to get but it, it, it's like any band isn't it you know you're trying to sound like a record that you love and you never quite do but it, it's that never quite do bit that makes you what you are and and then so in other words it's all those sort of um weaknesses or you know where you fall short of of the mark that's the that's the bit that sort of um that's that bit and sometimes it's hard to get over that because you it's hard to listen back to your own music I'm sure most musicians are the same and you're listening back and thinking I'm not happy unless it sounds exactly like I don't know the Clash or the the Beach Boys or the Field Mice or whatever and then it never does so you kind of hate you hate it but it but if you make it too perfect uh, and you're probably losing the whole point of why you're doing it, aren't you? You know, but I, I'm certainly only starting to realise that even now, you know. Um, yes. That's not even answering your question. <laughs> I, I I'm turning to Geoffrey Lewis. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> but then, because um, oh. there's quite a gap. I mean, you were a, on Sunday Records and you did Pinstripes and then there's like i don't know um not quite ten, there's <laughs> quite there's quite a gap between everlasting light and that was on a different le- record label so what happened in that sort of period
1: well in that period i mean i after i did sort of get in a couple of bands um with Ben from Sweet Jesus, we did a band called Venus, and that was quite a well um, well produced album. We did some gigs. Um, we did an album actually with somebody called John Rivers, who's a very famous producer. I know, I know you probably like felt the the, the week before we we'd been in. He'd, he'd been doing Denim. Right, of um, course, yes. Lawrence's or the band after that and um but john rivers recorded ghost town by the specials and what i do i'm only named name dropping because if i was listening to something I'd, I'd i'd think it's quite good fun isn't it a bit of uh you know putting two and two together and i love all those like rock family tree things yeah. and whatever Plastic. so i'm not i'm not i'm not dropping names i might as well tell you what was going on i didn't become a well, I did, I, yeah. I didn't become a milkman. Well, I did, did once. Anyway, <laughs> that's a different story. Um, but I, uh, yeah. Well, this is the most interesting musical stuff I can tell you. So we did a band called Venus, and that was really well produced. And it's like um, it's a good album. It's I think you can you can hear it and get it and there's stuff on YouTube and whatever. And that was so that was. Um, Ben from Sweet Jesus. And then after that, we, we carried on, um, with a different lineup. And that was a, that was a band, um, called Groupie, which, um, we thought that would look great on a t-shirt. And that was the whole sitting around in the pub. Let's come up with a band name. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be good on a (laughs) t-shirt. And actually we did, we, we, we released some, um, Singles with that that got some Radio One play, and we thought we were really gonna, you know, that that, and that was that was Britpop then. That was sort of, you know, when labels were. We had um, it was actually Martin Hall from um, from a from a, um, uh from a sort of uh, what do you call the company uh, like not promotions company. Press, press agency. Oh, yeah. Martin Hall. It was Phil, it's Philip Hall's Philip Hall who, man, who managed the Mannix, I think. It's Martin Hall's his brother, and he he um, he ran a, a label called Sacred Records. He started a, a label. Um, he was basically jumping on the Britpop thing, and he signed us up. And uh, we we were doomed to failure because we we got on the radio with the first two singles and then um, he signed this other band who took all the the budget away because they went on tour and kind of bought loads of equipment and stuff. So, you know, so I've I've always been there doing indie pop, but I've always been trying to go for the big time as well. (laughs) That's, that's my, that's my life. So um, possibly I'm a bit of a sellout. So I was doing, I was doing all that. And then um but, but that was good doing group because I got to play we got to play the, the hacienda um and i met i met um Rob gretton from who was Joy division's manager, you know, which I couldn't yeah. believe you know he he popped his head around the door of the dressing room and I just looked at him and said' hello as if I thought i recognized him, you know, and I just recognized him from books of i had i had like joy division books. And just he just had his glasses on and he just poked his head around the door and I just couldn't couldn't believe it you know and also we we played a gig supporting um at the hacienda supporting um it was uh, Andy Rourke from the Smiths oh. and uh, the, and the drummer from um, the the Happy Mondays and this would have been about 1998 or something so i i i don't think anything ever came of that bang but but when we played there you know i i got the impression that like we definitely had um ian brown and Cresser, who was the you know the dancer from the stone roses yes early era and um i think like it was a bit of you know the manchester crowd were out you know because it was andy rourke's band you know we we were supporting but nothing came of that. You know, we, we did, we did quite a, we, we did some gigs in London. Remember we, we supported a band called, um, ah, oh, drug store. And, um, and I remember Michael Stipe and, um, and, uh, Tom York came to the gig, you know, I remember talking to Michael Stipe, but he, he was a, he was a bit arrogant and, uh, he didn't want to be talked to, you know, <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, but I, I felt we just come off stage. He was in, he was in our dressing room. So I thought, well, I'll just go and tell him I'm a fan, you know. And he kind of, yeah, he was having a bad night, I think. <laughs> but, um, so the, so
0: but so then, so then, yeah. what happens with, you know, because obviously the the band, the Proctors, is your, love, love of your life. Because then you bring out Everlasting Light, don't you? In 20. yeah. So did when did you decide to resurrect that?
1: Well, Stephen um in in the the early proctors what happened was it was me my sister and my friend Aid and then we um I I'd always liked Steve who was Andy's brother from the cudgels, and he um he left the Cudgels but he rejoined the Cudgels when we did the um uh, we released an album with the with the with the cudgels um called um God's Children and it's a it's a good album that. And I I moved because I yeah, anyway, I'm I'm waffling on. Anyway, Steve was in that, that version of the band and I'd lost touch with him. Um, no, no, sorry. At, at that time in '93, '94, I, I decided, you know, let's get some band photos done, you know. And there was only me, my sister, and aide, And I thought, well, it doesn't look right. There's three people, you know. So I asked Steve to join, and it was mainly for photos. I mean, he was a good-looking guy, photogenic, you know, wore all the right clothes. <laughs> this is really, this is blowing all the illusions for anyone. <laughs> thinks we're cool uh but but debbie Pete's pete williams uh dex's wife took the photos and we, we had a cracking little you know photo shoot and um you know what i wanted to release the record i mean steve did play on a couple of the recordings i should add um he wasn't just like a kind of you know a kind of uh you know just just there for the for <laughs> the eye candy kind of thing <laughs> but um it was, um, so, so that was that, and anyway, so so that was that, and then I had no knowledge of um, the fact that indie pop was making a bit of a comeback. Um, and Steve got in touch with me, and he was into with, with the internet, um, kicking in and stuff. And they got the Indie Tracks Festival, um, if you're aware of that, and yes. and um. And there was a lot of online sort of stuff going on. And, um, there was a guy in America, um, doing a label called, um, Cloudberry records. And he wanted us to, Steve got in touch with me and he said, do you know that there's a lot of people that really love the proctors and, you know, you should, you know, you, you should sort of do it again and whatever. And I think he wanted to be involved. I'm not sure if he was, if he wanted to impress, Somebody, um, probably a lady friend. Um, It's all coming out now. (laughs) Anyway, um, from overseas. Anyway, uh, I'm going to tell you how it is. And so Steve and I tentatively thought, well, this sounds ridiculous, you know, that people would like what we did because it it was a bit amateurish and whatever. Um, But then I kind of got hooked in and um decided to start um and we we were meeting up on a weekly basis and getting and rehearsing and and it was like a proper band game really um for the well for for the first time and we got um offered a slot of indie tracks and then um madrid pop fest and uh new york pop fest and uh berlin pop fest and Limoges in France and whatever you know loads of stuff Um, and it was just brilliant you know and um, but I I really just wanted to do I'm I'm really still into the recording side of it but yeah so Steve basically made me aware of um, of the indie pop scene really as it is now and I kind of thought um, you know in some ways I wish I'd have left it alone and not bothered, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but you know, um I don't actually. So so that's <laughs> when that, that that's when I can't. well I've put a lot of work into it, you know, a lot a lot of work into it and um it it's not just a bit of fun really, you know. Um and and it's probably you know, affected my, my life, you know, in, in an adverse way. know, I, I saw somebody actually the other day putting on, on Facebook that, you know, they put a picture up of Paul Weller and, and uh, Joe Strummer and said, well, you know, if I, if I'd never seen these two guys or faces, I would have probably be living in a big house and have a career. And I sort of, I kind of know, I know what, I know, I know what, the, what he meant by that. But anyway, um, but so that's where he came from, and I, I just put everything into recording "Everlasting Light," you know, and we and, and a single before that, also on the same on Shelf Life Records, you know. And um, we did record a couple of things with with Ian Cat, who did the um, who did "Snowball" with the Field Mice. So that was something I wanted to. Uh, and I kind of realised that well, he did well, but. I can sort of, i probably. probably, that, that's also a case of thinking, well, if Ian, if Ian Cat produces it, we might sound like the field mice and we didn't, you know? <laughs> so yeah. it's just different. It's just slightly different production techniques. So, yeah um sorry i'm sorry mate this is uh no it's,
0: fine. <laughs> no it's fine no but you know it's 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 all there so it's obviously last year you brought out a single which was the letters to the girl and you know then we have this kind of or, or rather odd year i mean obviously you know you're locked up we're all locked up at home are you still sort of planning more material in the in the sort of the near future yeah i mean i'm
1: i'm I'm sitting in front of it now, actually. Although I can't, sometimes I just can't turn the the, the computer on. You so you see. I don't know what it is. I've got a, um, but um, we we've got um, a retrospective kind of album with Sunday Records, which was um, what we released the, um, the, the, the 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 early stuff with. So we've, Albert's got back in touch, and we're going to do. We're going to release some of the, I was always sending him like cassette tapes back in those days of ideas. And so we're going to release some of those as they are. Um, Some that I've kind of Um, re-recorded. I've got um, Kate in Brighton sending some bass up. Um, Sophia's here with me doing some vocals. She's locked in with me. So... um, and it's just going to be a bit of a, a retrospective kind of um, drawing a line under kind of um, thing. And then after that, so that's going to be called Songs from Summer Lane, which is where I've probably wrote most of the songs um, and on that one. And then we're going to do a proper album after that, um, which is going to be vinyl and, CD and everything the the, the songs from Summer Lane will just be CD and download I think but the the proper album will be a proper all singing all dancing um, kind of follow up to Everlasting Light you know Um, some of which is fully recorded already and some of which is just in the process of but um, I think on the SoundCloud page we've got I, I did have a look at it the other day and I thought well we've probably got enough to release a second Album that's as good as Everlasting Light already, really, you know. Um, but um, but there's, yeah, yeah. So just yeah, so definitely,
0: there's a lot to come. So so obviously you've spent your life in music. I mean, what would you say to a, your 18 year old self that was was starting out that that you thought, oh yes, if I could have said one thing to them, what what would it be?
1: Oh wow, ah, well. Uh, well <laughs> I'd say don't listen to me because <laughs> look where I am now. No, I'm only joking. Um, in all seriousness, I, I don't think, obviously, you know, I kind of believe in time travel in some ways through through music. This sounds a bit pretentious, but I've got to make up for other things in, in, in this. But... Um, you know that kind of hairs on the back of the neck when you hear "Forever Autumn" by Justin Hayward or whatever we were talking about.
0: Bright, or bright I do. eyes.
1: Yeah, exactly. Bright eyes. Well, yeah, played at played at my mom's funeral. You know, and uh, I kind of, I, I just, um, I do um, kind of think that that whatever that that is when when you're um, listening to that tune, somehow that that feeling you've got somehow goes back into that tune. And then as a mirror image or whatever, when you hear that tune back 20 years later or whatever it is, that that feeling that you felt then bounces back at you. I know that sounds crazy, but I, I've, I've kind of, you know, like when they press vinyl and they make like a negative sort of copper plate or something that it's like a negative image of the music. I just, that does sound totally pretentious anyway but so if i could go back i mean we've all thought this haven't we for me personally i would massively say you're not going to change you're not going to believe in yourself you're going to need all these people around you telling you that that's cool this is cool you should listen to this you should wear that and you're probably going to go along with that but at the end of the day I mean, there's going to be a guy ringing you up who's interested in what you've done because he's heard your music and he thinks it's good, or somebody's told him it's good, and uh, he doesn't know any of that, and he's not he's not listening to any of those people that sort of said, listen to me, and you know, I basically have more bloody confidence, you know, <laughs> that's the thing, uh, and that that's what I would have said, and I wish I could have. Um, you know, but but then it's all kind of any kind of um, not pain. What's the word I'm looking for? You know, um, it's all the human condition, isn't it? You know, you 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 kind of um, oh god, I, I'm lucky by the way. I'm not really you know we're all locked down, and so many people with so many problems. But I just uh, I'm just trying to say. Um, that, you know, um, things that are less than perfect kind of make for good lyrics and music and passion in music, don't they? Um, So I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. So I don't know, really.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Have more more confidence. That's a good one. um,
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I just think... um, but it's hard, isn't it, to um, to kind of um, put your finger on, uh, you know, what what you could. Um, I don't know as well. Music's a really strange thing because you. I've gone through my life sort of. I can't let go of it. But I've I've had periods where I've I've hated it. I know. Um, I remember like. I, I keep dropping out Pete out of Dex's, you know, but, you know, I, I'm amazed that, you know, he's so cool and got to number one and whatever. And, uh, I had a badge of him on my jacket. And then he, you know, he, I did go and play. He did ask me to play bass for him in his band, um, a few years ago. And we, we did a couple of gigs with him, Elder May, you know, she's quite a big Irish oh, yeah, yeah. artist. She was in the charts and stuff. And, uh, and they were very big venues and stuff and um his, the only reason he, he asked me to play bass was his his bass player of choice, Al Al Gare, uh who plays brilliant um um double bass, stand up bass. He he plays with Imelda May, you know, so he couldn't be seen to be playing in the in two bands. So I said yes to that, and sorry, my my point was of that. Not bragging about that. It was just like basically at the time, I'd really fallen out of love with music, and I really felt anybody who did music. I mean, if I listened to me now on this, I'd be thinking, what a what a what a prat, you know. I, I know it sounds awful. I, I kind of I had that thing of like basically, you know music's cost me X amount of money, whatever, you know, like a real negative kind of, (laughs) you know, basically I would have thought I was foolish really, but, um, you could say that about Vincent van Gogh, I suppose. I'm definitely not putting myself in (laughs) his category by the way, but, you know, you know what I mean? It's like many, many, a unsuccessful, financially or whatever musician has made any other people's lives very happy or whatever it is and is it right or is it wrong to you know i i don't i don't see myself driving a, a lexus and a kind of whatever it is you know so um yeah so do, I, I don't know do you, i, I you, you're you're kind of uh you got me on the couch now here. it's like kind of a uh, a therapy session. Oh, sorry, I, I'm overgoing here, on So, just cut me off. <laughs> I think <laughs> but, I think um, I make
0: the, got it. It's very
1: hard. Okay, <laughs> I, I'm really regretting this now, David. I really <laughs> am. You, you can see why I was half. You might get this with people. I don't know. Do do, are people a bit sort of nervous to to do this thing? Are they or yeah?
0: Sometimes or they lapping you up normally no but it's good look thank you i mean no it's been great don't worry about it but people you know no actually what i've found is in all seriousness is that people love to hear you know an artist a musician that they've enjoyed talking about their their kind of creative mm-hmm. process and i think that's what they you know enjoy about it because because it, what i've also found is that Somebody will go, God, I really like that band. You know, it's like, this. there's a lot of little indie bands I've, I've sort of done, you know, people who've never even done albums. They've just done a few flexi discs like the Sidleys or the um, the James Dean driving experience. And there's always a fan hmm. somewhere in the world who go, bloody hell, I've never heard.
1: Well, that... I'd love it. I would love it. And, 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 I've had a list, and I'm going to listen more. And the only, the only worry I have is that, with the proctors, that's my way of kind of getting away from being sort of a black country accent kind of, um, you know. It's that's my escapism sort of thing, and I don't want to blow the illusion or whatever. I, I even if it's only ten people that think it's good. It's like kind of so that that was my whole thing of being nervous about doing it really, and and it's it's the the, the thing of you know. Um, you know, new order going on top of the pops and the, doing Blue Monday, and the the it goes down in the charts. You know, I mean, I've, I, you know, I, I didn't want to kind of spoil it, but as you, at the end of the day, you are who you are, aren't you? And it is what it is.
0: <laughs> yes, no, it's absolutely.
1: So, right. um, no, so you... I hope I, I hope I've done something you can work with, and and if you don't if you don't use it, don't. I, I wouldn't be offended, but you've. You've actually got me thinking about a you you know a lot of things there, so it's it's been a bit of a therapy session, so thank you <laughs> oh, God. and I know I might be a bit more a bit more prepared for the next one if one comes along so thank you
0: yeah no well when i do i'll um I'll send you the link i mean the thing is. Your, your, you know, your fans will love it. You know, they'll go, oh, blimey O'Reilly. Because there's lots of stuff that people often think, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't know that about that person. So it's always good fun. So, um, and like you said. But
1: I can guess, I can guess you're thinking now there's a lot of, well, you don't have to, you've got to do what you've got to do. But when I'm editing music, for example, you know, if there's any silences in that, you'd, you'd be thinking, oh my God, I've got to do, you know, I hope I haven't given you a load of, Extra work and and if if I do come across a bit bit whatever, then that's my own fault. And I did I did agree to it and I'm 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 very, very grateful and very um flattered. And yeah. I can tell you a genuine music fan and uh thanks thanks for that and I'll definitely yes, um have... share it and stuff, you know. Yeah. And if even if I'm embarrassed about it, you know, so that's it. <laughs>
0: um Well you're fa- yes, but you have a lot of fans on your Facebook page, don't you? And we have um yes. So, um, and obviously material coming out, but look, this been great. Well, look, don't worry. And, and when I do it and if I put it out and then you listen and think, oh, bloody hell, I'll just take, you know, I can take it down, but don't, I mean, to be honest, I've never had that from anybody, even. Well, know.
1: I'm not going to do that then. I'm not going to be the first person. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I, I am a bag of nerves. I and kind of, uh, you, you know, um, yeah, but, uh, thank you. And, um, well thank right. you and I was so I'm sorry about the cat David sorry to hear about that
0: yeah the cat so that was a yeah that, that was a shocker cuz and we we've been we had you know two cats his brother died last year he was 14 and uh, this one was like he was a really good little um Yes, he was a stocky little chap. And I thought, oh, you're going to live forever. And then he's developed a bad cough last September. Then he recovered and he was like, oh, this is okay," You know, he's just having, we had to give him a daily steroid. And then about three weeks ago, this cough came back again because I thought it was just a bit of an infection or some sort of asthma that he got. But, he, you know, it really came back and... uh, then he recovered again. It was like, oh, this is all right. And then he went really down, like fuck. it. I tell you, man, it was the worst day of my life. Because he, Friday morning, shit. he just, he just, he was, he was really looking in pain. And it was like, shit, I've got to get him talking. Uh, and I'm uh, uh,
1: sorry. I, I only wanted to say, I, I didn't want to bring it back to you, but uh, it's tough in it with pets, you know. It's, well, uh,
0: yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like friends where you come and go, but you know your pet is with you 24 7 you know every time you're in that house he's he or she is going to be with you and you never fall out with them well right?
1: yeah you... the love's pretty unconditional as well in it you know and it, you, you know it's uh it, yeah tough yeah it's as i say i did i generally wrote my first song about my pet cat and uh losing that cat but uh but anyway,
0: yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. For... Yeah,
1: thanks, David. Anyway, and um, Are you yeah, to...
0: oh, and... by the way, you know, just lastly, you yeah. mentioned you mentioned the song "Smoky." Yeah. It, have you ever recorded it?
1: It wasn't called Smokey, Obviously, that that wouldn't be a good. It was. It, it kind of. It could have been about a girl or a boy, put it that way. Um, but it was about an animal. Um, I've never, you know, but I, you know what? I might resurrect that as a thought. It wasn't too bad. It was only um, four chords, but it was, oh, it's very indie pop, you know. But this would have been about, I was listening to the Buzzcocks at the time. I mean, I've missed, I've missed the Buzzcocks out. I wish I could have relaxed now, you know, but uh, I, I would be all right talking now. I, I feel like the red light's gone off now, you know. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. But but yes, um no, I haven't. But um, if I do, and it will be obviously disguised as a non-cat
0: yeah. well, uh, Michael, subject matter Moni- Songs. Michael Jackson did one about a rat, so I think you'll be fine. Well, ben, I, ben. Is that Ben? Ben the rat. Because you always,
1: it is a rat. and You yeah. thought it was a dog, didn't you? You know. Well, I always did growing up. I mean, I, I did used to listen to that. Just very, very quickly, I won't, I won't keep you again, but you said saying you snuck into your brother's bedroom. Well, that's exactly what I did. And he, he used to have a record system where you, you know, you could put three singles on and it would be almost like a jukebox. The arm would come up, oh, you could yes. stack them up, you know, that thing. Yeah. And um, and he had a vinyl kind of holder where you everything was in alphabetical order. And But Michael, you know, Michael Jackson was it was that off the wall on that was it, was it that album ben i don't
0: know no, i think that was uh, that was when he was about 10 and he needed his this little oh
1: okay of course sorry I, I i just remember off the wall i know my brother had that in there but i remember listening to ben uh in that room and you know me and my two sisters would dance in front of the mirror to, to Wham as well, you know, so you haven't got any of this stuff <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. but we,
1: we, you know, I, I did really get into the, you know, now now that's what I call music number one it, or whatever, it wasn't number one, it was just now that's what I call music and uh, you know, I, I've missed all that out when we were chatting but the um, you know, Vienna, Ultravox all those kind of Yazoo um phew, you know men without hats the safety dance and all that i love all that stuff
0: yes um
1: i'm not a rocker i'm not a rocker really to say i got into the sex pistols it's it's weird it's weird i'm 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 definitely a pop fan i love sort of synths and um you know strings and synths and 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 and, and that early kind of uh, early 80s electronic pop music you know Oh, we should have got that one in there, but uh, yes. <laughs> there you go.
0: Yeah. Well, no, that's okay, good. Okay, but I bet I actually I need to. Um, I do need to get to the shop before ten o'clock. Actually, yes, uh, um, because we we're out of milk. So look, but look, this has been fantastic, and I'll keep in touch. And um, I really, you know, appreciate this. So thank you again. And um, yes, stay, take care of the of yourself over this year, because frankly, it's a bit of a tricky one, isn't it?
1: Yes, David. Well, stay in touch. It's been lovely talking to you, and uh, and uh, yeah, must we'll stay, definitely stay in touch. And um, and yeah, so yeah, you better go to the shop.
0: I better get, go and get some milk before it runs out. Okay, but, okay. Mate, yeah, look, nice take, one
1: anyway. Yes,
0: you too. Take care there. Thanks, See you. David. Bye-bye. Toronto,
1: bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Thanks. Bye bye. And that. And that is such a cool ending. Anyway, that is the interview that I did with one of the members of the Proctor's, Gavin Priest, to find out more about life in an indie band and music. Anyway, a huge thank you to Gavin for giving me the time for that interview. Um, this has been David Eastall, the C86 Show. If you want to contact me, you can, for some random reason, on at uh, yes Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, at C86 Show. Also, all these interviews have been um, archived, so you can find those on Spotify, iTunes and Pod so there you go C86 show yes check them out they could just change your life or send you to sleep it's a fine line anyway have a great week and stay safe